At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we kick off the new year, we invite you to tune into our current series, The Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again, where we'll discover how God defines love, Christ personifies love, and the Spirit empowers us to love one another. Together, we'll experience healing and hope in the love God designed for us, a love we carry through every season of life. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible, the Bible tells me so. You guys heard that a few times? If you grew up going to church, if you went to vacation Bible school, you have likely heard those words at least a time or two. Now, they may be in the distant memory, but the reality is you are familiar uh, with those words. Now, the reality is that is what we are examining in our current sermon series. We are talking about, we are looking at, we are digging into the love of God. Now, you might say, well, Pastor, this is like week five. We started January there, and we've been looking at love, and we've been looking at love, and love, and love some more. Did we hit the end? Have we exhausted that look? No. There is plenty more for us to dig into when we talk about the love of God as it is expressed in Scripture. Now, I want you to know that as I was preparing this week, I just thought I'd go out and look at some of the books that one could purchase on the topic of love. And so I found a few prominent authors that just go down the list here. The Love of God by Oswald Chambers. God's Love by R.C. Sproul. The Difficult Doctrine of the Love of God by D.A. Carson. Works of Love by Soren Kierkegaard. You're going to have to go back a bit for that one. The Four Loves by C.S. Lewis. God Loves You by Charles Spurgeon. And the list could go on and on and on. And in that list, what you will find is you will find devotional writers. You will find theological works. You will find Christian living titles, all of them gathered and compiled around that one singular focus topic, the topic of love. But why so many? I mean, really, why so many books about love? Because the reality is you and I need to know about God's love every second of every minute, of every hour, of every day of our lives. We need to know about it and rest in it and experience it. So people write books about it. Now let me ask you a serious question. Who among us would say, I don't need to hear that today? I've got all I need. I've heard it. I I don't need to know about God's love any longer. Anybody? I mean, the reality is that's probably why you rolled out of bed today probably why you took a shower. That's probably why you hopped in your car, slid your way on into church. Because at some level, you believe that that might be true. That God does love even you. In a world that beats us down, we need to hear those words. 
Every single one of us in this room need to hear those words, God loves you. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is that uncomfortable thing. I'm going to ask you to turn to the person next to you and speak those words to them right now. Go ahead. God loves you. What your spouse or your parent or your family member or your friend just told you is true. The God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, almighty God does, in fact, love you. Now, the reality is for some of us, that's probably all the sermon we need to hear today. That simple yet profound truth. But God's word has more for us. That's important, and that is significant, and I hope everyone walks out of here today understanding that, but the reality is God's Word has more for us. There are more details of God's love. There is more depth to the understanding of God's love. There is more for you and me as believers in Jesus Christ to experience about God's love, and that is what we're going to do today, but first we are going to pray. So let's pray together. Loving God, we are humbled that we can call you that, that we can acknowledge what your word says, that you are a God who loves. You've modeled that for us. You've modeled that by sending your son Jesus to our world, perfection into a mess. And then, Jesus, we thank you that you modeled perfect love while you were here on earth, and then you sacrificed your life so that we might have life. God, thank you for loving us so. Would you tear away anything that would hinder our understanding of that today? Would you tear away anything that might block us from receiving the reality of what your word says about love? Not what the pastor says, but what your word says about love. God, allow us to hear it. God, give us ears to hear this truth today. We're also going to need eyes to see this truth in the text and then humble hearts to receive it. And so we ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the series is called The Forgotten Virtue, and I certainly hope that you are gaining and growing in your understanding of authentic biblical love. Now, last week, what we did is we talked about how all three members of the Godhead, all three members of the Trinity, engage with us deeply in the process of our understanding love and practicing it and experiencing it in our own lives. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all involved in that understanding for you and me. Now, today's text, I'm going to ask you to grab your Bible, today's text is 1 John chapter 4. We're going to continue that narrative. And uh, oftentimes what I do is I encourage you to grab your Bible because we read a long chunk of the text and then we come back later and unpack it. What we're going to do is a little bit different today. We're just going to look at a few specific segments as we progress through the text. So uh, bear with me as we begin with verse 13. We're just going to read a segment and then we're going to stop and unpack it together. So turn with me to verse 13, and let's read together. John writes, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. 
And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him and He in God. There was an important word in that text. came up a couple of times. Did you catch it? The word is abide. Abide. Now, it is one of those words that we don't typically use in our day-to-day language. We don't walk around talking about someone abiding. That's just not kind of common vernacular. But what it does is it helps us to realize something. And so you and I need to pause to reflect and to take notice of what the word means. We abide in Him and He abides in us. God abides and we abide. Church, this is the next step of our understanding of love. This is that next step of you and I take, that we're going to take today to understand the significance of love. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about the very definition of love. We said that God is love. It's who He is. It's His character. It's His essence. God is love. But the apostle desired that you would, and I would know a little more. He wanted that first century audience that he was writing to to know and understand a little bit more. And that's why he moves from understanding the concept that God is love, and then he moves us to knowing and experiencing that love. That is his desire for you and for me and for all who read this text. But that does leave us with an obvious question, doesn't it? How do I know that? How do I experience God's love for myself? I can understand it in the abstract, but how do I take it and internalize it in a way that changes my life? How am I to do that? The answer, the answer comes in a response. It comes in a response, and this response is kind of the overarching idea of our message today. The response comes when you and I, through the grace of God, place our faith in Jesus Christ, in His work on the cross. When we trust in Him for the forgiveness of our sin, when we repent of our sin, and when we believe the gospel, When we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ as our Redeemer, when we believe in Jesus, what happens is He makes us new. And that's how we internalize God's love. We take it from the abstract. We take it from what we understand intellectually, and we allow it to penetrate our heart. This is important because to believe in Jesus is to know God's love. When you and I believe upon Jesus, we then know God's love, and this is how God abides in you and you in Him. It is simple, yet it is a profound reality. Now, in fact, what I just highlighted for you is one of the more significant doctrines in the Christian faith. Theologians often refer to it as the mutual indwelling And it is this idea that when we have our faith in Christ, God abides in us through the Holy Spirit. That's not just my opinion. It's what you find in the text. 
It's what you find in Scripture. It's not just this text. It's what you find in Scripture. I want to take you back to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Here is what Jesus says. And He says, And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper, to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you know Him. For He dwells with you and will be in you. That's abiding. And this is the first of three ways that you and I can know the love of God. We can know God's love in us. You and I can know that God loves us and we can know it inside of us. You see, when we profess our faith in Christ, it gives evidence to the Holy Spirit in our lives. This is why Jesus emphasizes the word abide. Abide. Now, let me be direct today. I don't care your age, I don't care how often you've come to church, if you are in Christ today, if you are a believer, then the Spirit of God abides in you. And that should make everyone who that's true of say, Amen. The Spirit of God abides in you. If you are here today and you are not yet a follower of Christ, this is what you have to look forward to. This is the gift that you receive. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit, and then God's love is in you. I love the imagery that theologian N.T. Wright uses to explain this beautiful, beautiful picture. Here's what he writes. He says, those in whom the Spirit comes to live are God's new temple. They are individually and corporately places where heaven and earth meet. It is a beautiful picture. So church family, that is God's love in us. Through His abiding presence in our lives, we can then begin to experience something else. So now let's continue on in our text. Let's pick it up at verse 16. John writes, So we have come to know and to believe that the love God has for us. For God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. He goes over it again. John says, did you get it the first time? I'm going to cover it one more time. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is also are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Throughout Scripture, we are reminded of a day when the Lord will in fact come to judge the earth. He will then establish His kingdom fully and finally. And on that day, God will judge evil 
On that day, God will judge sinfulness that is in the world and that is in the human hearts. And I want to stand on the stage and be blatant to you. I want to be perfectly clear. That will be a dreadful day for many because they will be judged by their unrighteousness. Now, conversely, for the believer... The Apostle Paul says if you are in Christ, you can have confidence on that day. On that day of judgment, that is a time where you can experience confidence. Not because you're good, not because I am, but because of Jesus in His work on the cross. It's because of Christ that you and I will be welcomed into God's eternal kingdom. Let that resonate in your heart and mind for just a moment. It is so significant. At the center of that text that we just read, John reminds us that because of our faith, God does in fact abide in us through the Holy Spirit. And while for some of us you might say, well, Pastor, that seems a little theological. It's not something that I really kind of wrap my mind around easily. Let me put it another way. God does not see you as sinful. If you were in Christ today, God sees you as His Son. Jesus covers your sin. Jesus covers your stain. God looks upon you and sees His Son. And this helps us see the second way that you and I can know God's love. We can know it for us. We can know God's love for us. But let's be real with each other for a moment. I mean, let's be really candid and upfront and just lay it all out on the table. All of this biblical truth and this theological truth is wonderful. We might know that it's true, but for some of us, when we wake up in the morning and we look in the mirror, we have a hard time believing it. We know the person who stares back at us. We know the challenges that that person faces. We know the temptations that they are striving to overcome day after day and week after week. They're real. We know the worry. And we know the doubt. Sometimes, if we are honest with each other, it is just incredibly hard for us to grab the reality of this kind of love. And yet, and yet when we can, it's life-changing. It is absolutely life-changing. Now, church family, I want to invite a familiar face to the stage. Her name is Jen Bowers, and many of you will know her and will recognize her face from when she stands on the stage and sings and leads us in worship. Would you guys welcome Jen as she comes? Good morning. Good morning. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, I want to ask you if you would go ahead and tell us about your experience when you first understood what we're talking about today, the overwhelming love of God. Yeah, thank you for inviting me to share my story, Pastor Rob. Um, What you just said actually really resonated with me, um, that there was a moment in my life where I just felt so 
absolutely overwhelmed. Um, I, it was about 10 years ago for me, um, roughly. I was a newly divorced woman. I had two um, very little boys. They were um, six and uh, one day after turning four years old. And um, I was navigating this new territory. Um, at the time, I felt alone. Um, I felt like I was doing this by myself because um, nobody in my family, none of my friends had ever gone through a divorce. And while I had family around me to support me and to love me, I didn't feel like there was anybody who understood uh, what I was going through. So at that time, I felt very alone. And um, I had heard, you know, growing up in a, in a Christian home, I had heard, Jesus loves you, Jesus, lo Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. And I knew Jesus loved me, but I didn't know how he loved me. I didn't know the depth, and um, I, I believed he loved me, but that's about where it was. And um, I had come to uh, Woodside, and um, I was actually in the process of having a... I was involved in a discussion um, with probably eight to ten other um, Christian women here at Woodside, and... I was more of a passive participant in the conversation. I was more just kind of listening and, and learning. And in that conversation, I gained this knowledge of just how God loves me. That, you know, I, I, was, I was going through so many things where I felt alone and I felt just kind of completely defeated and unloved and unworthy. And I knew I was a sinner. I, I could never be like Jesus. I wasn't created to be like that. I was, I was a sinner. And... Yet, God loved me, and he really loved me, and he was with me, and I just felt so overwhelmed by that, that in that moment, I, you know, I had cried about things in my life before. In that moment, I was literally weeping. I just felt so overwhelmed, and um, I just, I remember that moment very, sure. Very specifically, very poignantly. So, Jen, let me ask you then, from that moment, what happened? You say you understood it, you had this kind of experience with God. Uh, how did that change your life moving forward? Honestly, Pastor Rob, it changed my life in every way. Hmm. Um, just about every facet of my life has been different and better um, from that point moving forward. Um, I look at um, that moment, and, and in that time we were singing, um, there was a song that we were singing on the worship team quite a lot. Um, it was an All Sons and Daughters song, and one of the lines is, you make beautiful things out of the dust. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was dust, and since then I have just seen this enormous change in how my life has gone. Mm -hmm. um, the most, probably the, the biggest thing is that um, I got baptized here yeah. um, with my mom, actually, a number of years ago, and um, I was able to, I, I see now that in the challenges that I was going through, and I still go through, um, he loves me, and that doesn't mean that my life is going to be without challenges, sure. but I see how he takes things that I feel are challenges, and I feel, oh, that's not fair, that's not that's not the way I want it to go. That's not how I want things to be. And God has this plan where he just keeps showing me that even through my trials, he has something better for me. He loves me and he wants to lavish that love on me. You know, I would, like I said, I, I was able to become baptized. I became part of the worship team. 
my boys um, ended up through all of this going to Christian school. And um, I met a wonderful man and have a fantastic marriage. And, you know, I gained children who I get to help raise now. And I just have received so many blessings in my life. He just keeps lavishing his love on me, no matter how much I sin, no matter how imperfect I am, all the time. He loves me. And he loves me through it all. And that to me is just incredibly overwhelming. And I am so blessed. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your story. Thank you. Yeah. I know Jen is a gift to our church, not only with her voice and her participation on the worship team, but thank you for sharing your story. You know, friends, this is so important that you and I understand God's love for us. It's not abstract. It's not for someone else. It's for you. Now, let's look at the final portion of today's text. We're going to pick it up at verse 19. It says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Fear he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he who he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. The apostle is making his point crystal clear here. He says, if you know the love of God, we need to look outward. It should impact us as we look outward. We will practice love for one another. We've already established that we can have God's love in us and we can recognize God's love for us. But what John highlights here is is that will have impact in our relationships. It will change and mold and shape the way we participate in community. And this is the third way that you and I can know the love of God. We can know God's love between us. You and I can know God's love between us. I love the way the Apostle Banna kind of states this with great clarity, very matter-of-factly. He says, believer, if you love God, if you are in Christ, you will have love for one another. There's no place for another option. If you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good and yet you hate your brother, he has a very specific phrase that he uses here. He says, you are a liar. Your profession of faith is a lie. There's no place for it. If you love God, you cannot hate your brother. It cannot happen. I don't think John is beating around the bush here. He's not exaggerating. He's making it crystal clear that if you love God, you must love your brother. You guys know I love the writing and the insight of a guy by the name of John Stott. I think he adds great clarity to what John has already stated for us, but I think Stott brings it home. He says, every claim to love God is a delusion if it is not accompanied by unselfish and practical love for our brothers and sisters. It's a delusion. So church family, 
As we consider today's text, as we think about what the apostle has taught us, he's taught us that God's love is in us. God's love is for us. And God's love is between us. The question is, what will you do with the love that you've been given? What will you do? How may you show a brother or sister in the faith that God loves them today? How will you communicate that? How will you do it this week? That's a real question. Christ follower, how will you do that this week? Let me offer a couple of suggestions. Most of us have smartphones. Most of us have the ability to text. Take five seconds to text someone the love of God this week. Maybe 10. Maybe you're not a texter. Maybe it's a phone call. You want to do something a little more personal, perhaps. Give someone a call. Communicate the love of God in Christ to them in a phone call. Perhaps you're a little more old-fashioned. You want to write out a handwritten note. All the better. Or maybe you'd say, you know what, I want to go beyond words. I want to move beyond just saying someone that God loves them. I want to show them that God loves them. Maybe that looks like you might make a home-cooked meal for someone. Give them a work of service, a little manual labor. What is a way that you will communicate God's love? Church family, let's be about Showing God's love in intentional ways in the week ahead. Because when we do, we just might hear someone saying these words. Jesus loves me. This I know. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.